Welcome to the Ephesiology Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the study of the early Christian movement and its implications for the church today. My name is Andrew. I am the associate pastor at Neartown Church in Houston, Texas. We are joined, as always, by Michael, our resident ephesiologist. And today, again, part two, we are joined by Steve Leston, president and CEO of To Every Tribe. Thank you, Steve, for giving us your time to keep chatting on some of these fun things. Oh, man. Thank you, guys. It's a huge honor to be here. So glad we get to do this and talk about these topics. Okay, yeah, well, so they're important topics, aren't they? And you've done such a great job in giving some clarity and thinking to them. So I'm looking forward to how this is going to uh, roll out as we get into the pod. Okay, so, now we said this is part two, right? So if you're if you're listening to this, if you found it in your podcast feed and you're excited to listen to part two, great. But you do need to listen to part one just to have a have a context. Um, we are talking about mission. And where it is going today, and what Steve is calling a post-everything uh, world. Um, what is it looking like? And Steve, I think you have done some incredible work um, looking at what we are truly looking at, trying to parse out what's in front of us. And uh, here today, we wanted to talk about what are some of the forces that are shaping our world and how they are impacting the church. Now, just even as I frame that, what do you, what do you mean, Steve, when you're talking about those forces uh, that are out and about that are impacting us? Yeah, that's a, I like that question. And maybe just a, a, a little small context so this will make sense. Um, when you look at the work of ministry, church planting, missions, sometimes it's easy to just try to find a model. You know, a lot of church planners, they want to find a singular model for something and then and then just like run that play. We've got one play. We're running that play. We're just going, going, going. Or they, you know, mission. We just got this singular model. We're going to run it all the time. But a lot of times those models are designed in um, a, like a singular or a monolithic context. Right. And it's context specific. Yeah, exactly. And so what we forget to do is we forget to actually look at the world we're living in. We forget to actually like observe what is actually going on around us. I could spend all my time in my office just looking at a model and, man, how do I run that play in five different countries? Mm. And I think that's a, a bad focus because you're actually not mm -hmm. paying attention. And so if you shift your focus and say, okay, forget about the models, forget about what worked for someone else. Just look at the world. What's actually happening in the world around you? And then how are those things that are going on in the world around you affecting you in the context you're in? So I've been watching and kind of trend following global trends for the past dozen years or so, and just keeping track of these trends as they've developed. And what I've noticed is that there are six really big mega trends, and I'm just calling them forces. Okay. And, and what they are, just things that are actually shaping the way we live our life, whether we acknowledge it or not, they're actually shaping the way we live. And, and and I'm just saying living as just a citizen right, in the right right 
somebody who's living and breathing and moving about. Exactly. And these six forces are pressing upon us. And since they are pressing upon us, we should actually be thinking about these in relation to the mission, in relation so, to church planting. Okay, so you're raising a question in my mind. Yes. Are you suggesting then, because we are so tied into models, and I, I love that you were talking about this, because I mentioned to you guys just a moment ago that I've had two conversations with two missionaries in two completely different parts of the world just today about the same subject mm -hmm. uh, and how disheartened they are that we just keep cookie cutter model uh, in these different countries without regard to context. So are you saying that we need to be paying attention to these forces because they will and they should in some way, right or wrong, good or bad, will shape the way in which we should do mission? Absolutely. They'll shape it. And and I would even suggest that if you're following a model and it's like not working, you're trying to do something and it, it's probably because you have not acknowledged one of these forces. Uh, and, mm -hmm. and these things are actually there and present and they're they're operating as disruptors right all these 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 forces end up being disruptors and and so you try to run some play somewhere that someone else did and then you're going to hit this you're going to hit one of these six things you know probably you're going to hit more than one <laughs> and and they're going to disrupt the model and this is why you've got burnout attrition frustration you know um deconstructing of the church all of these things that are going on because I think we're just too busy running, trying to run a model instead of actually paying attention to the world around us. Mm. Wow, what a okay. great point. So before we launch in, again, I almost feel like this is like like setting the table, right? Like just making sure that we're having all the pieces at the right place. Um, to the naysayer who might be listening and saying, we are living in a world that feels like it is moving more towards homogeneity right? That there is that globalization, if you will, it's moving towards, we're all moving to a similar spot. So model binder people thinking, refer to part one, uh, it seems like that actually looks like it should work more in the future because of homogeneity. So many more people are having the same experiences. So because of that, Shouldn't we embrace models more as opposed to run from them? Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a great question. And I think a lot of people probably do feel that way, you know, and I, I but I'm, I'm not certain that that the thought of it actually homogenizing is actually happening. <laughs> yes, yeah. correct. I totally agree. I just I just yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like so many totally. people are thinking that it's moving in this way. So whether reality says it's happening or not there is almost a thought that it might. And right. so because it might, then we're all embracing these models for that future day in which this fantasy actually happens, but it's just, it's not happening. Yeah. Oh, it's, a, it's an underestimation of the, the forces of culture, the power that culture has on people mm -hmm. to continue to shape, even in spite of globalization. I mean, in one sense, you can't deny globalization. I mean, uh, the access that we have to each other is unprecedented today because of travel or the internet or whatever. And so, and they are influencing people in different cultures, but still the culture itself has such a power on people's identity 
that um, at least as I observe the world, we're not seeing that uh, people are willingly uh, relinquishing their cultural identity in order to uh, arrive at some global culture. Yeah. Well, and, and all you have to do is just just take a survey of you can take a survey of the world politically or even just zero in a little bit more on the survey of the United States politically. Has globalization led us to be more unified as a country or more divided? And, and so what tends to happen is that globalization pushes division. It actually creates forms of nationalism. And these will be some of the forces we'll look at. Say. You know, but they'll start to separate. And so, so the reality is it's way more complex of a of a thing than just, hey man, we're all just gonna grab a coke and teach the world to sing, you know. Oh, oh that was a great commercial though, wasn't it? Years it ago. It certainly was. <laughs> <laughs> well, if they make a commercial out of it, then oh my everything goodness, is that going song to be is fine. running through my head. <laughs> Sorry. Well, let's stop you. Kind of dated myself there. <laughs> I would say, let's stop you. Let's stop you. Okay, so we are talking Wait, well, about I was forces. That we should all start singing it. <laughs> no. Do you want to get copyright infringement on the podcast? Come on, stop. Stop. Okay, so we have forces. There are forces that are impacting all of us. These are global forces. Uh, so as I see in uh, from you, Steve, you say the the first force that comes to mind are global pandemics. What, what what do you mean there? I mean, again, I think we all know what COVID was and is and still shaping us, but how is this first major force something that is impacting the church? So what's interesting is when I had was writing these forces down, I actually you know had these written before COVID. And, oh, and I have never actually thought, I mean, I, I saw that global pandemics would be a reality never really would have thought of it. I mean, COVID just drove that thing, you know, the needle so far down as to mm -hmm. what it did. Mm -hmm. But the essence of a global pandemic, of course, is the fact that we all can infect each other. So it, it ends up being a relational dynamic, right? And so suddenly you have to start redefining a whole bunch of things. And when you're talking about the church, now you're redefining what is a, what is a meeting, you know, I find it fascinating. I mean, just looking at COVID, for example, churches that didn't were never online, some smaller churches that never had any video or anything. Um, and suddenly now they have online presence. They have Zoom and things that, you know, it pushed them into technology they would have never thought they would have ever had to get. Mm -hmm. um, but we had to think through the Lord's table. We had to think through meeting. We had to think through the various responses because everybody has a different view of how they want to treat their body and and their health concerns and so suddenly we have division in the church over mass wearing or not mass wearing and and there was a, a pastor friend of mine who'd been in ministry 40 years and been through a lot and he said the covid experience was the worst experience he ever had as a pastor yeah and he could not believe that the church was dividing over mass but it wasn't just dividing over mass this thing was evoking fear in us because global pandemics bring fear and anxiety. And we didn't have the a place to hang those thoughts. And I would suggest what happens with model thinking is when you're in model thinking, you're actually not thinking about what's going on in the world. So you're not planning for it. You're just trying to run your play. So when something happens like this, this force acts upon you, you have no response because you're not paying attention to it and you don't know what to do. And so 
you tend to try to keep your organization alive, the institution alive, but not recognizing that you're not, the people aren't necessarily concerned about the things you might be concerned about, let's say as a pastor, but the people are trying to figure out, will I ever go to church again? And if I go to church, will I kill my grandmother if I get sick? And I mean, they're dealing with these very big existential questions because a pandemic is relational in nature. It's not just medical, it's a relational pressure. And so it's putting a pressure on on the relational side of the church. And, And we don't really think through relationships with pandemics. We just think through, you know, will people come? Will they give their money? Will we have our Sunday meeting or not? If we're just thinking institutionally, we're missing the, the the fact that everyone else is processing through this relationally. Mm. And uh, and what role does my church play in my relationships? Um, should meeting be an issue that we would defy the government over? What is considered persecution? All of these really big questions start coming up existentially. And, uh, and if we're not really having thought through this issue... And press to think through the relational issues of pandemics. Um, we're going to have what we had, just division and kind of a bit of a chaotic feeling, I think. Okay, so again, we here at the Physiology Podcast are not trying to come up with a brand new model to institute for everybody and say, all those other models were the wrong ones, but ours, we have figured it out. Uh, that said, Steve, what would you suggest, aside from... Think through it, right? What would you suggest to pastors, church leaders, the faithful who tune in to us? How would you suggest that they go about thinking through the the notion of uh, relationships and global pandemics? I think we've got to take a moment and first do a bit of a theological assessment and evaluate our ecclesiology. What are the things that we're holding on to that we think are 100% biblical, therefore we're willing to die for them, that maybe aren't as biblical as we thought they were? They were areas Mm -hmm. of freedom, freedom that the Mm -hmm. Lord gives us. Um, So for example, meeting in a large room, you've got a thousand people, do a thousand people need to meet in a large room? And, and And is that actually the definition of a church? Or can we say, hey, we need to meet together. We need to gather together. And we don't necessarily have to gather in this large auditorium. We could break up into smaller groups and and have a much more uh, smaller community thing that fits within the uh, the, what would be required in a pandemic and still call that church. So I think we've got to think through, first of all, some ecclesiology. What is our understanding of the gathering? What are some of the things that we, the pressures we put on gathering that are just expressions that we have the freedom to have, but they're not actually the irreducible biblical minimum. And mm. um, and so I think it begins by evaluating our ecclesiology. If we're going to say, hey, are we ever going to have another global pandemic? I'm sure we will. It's it's. I think at this point, it feels more whole at like when. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the system's already set up within the government and everything's ready. I mean, to pull that trigger would not be that difficult. Um, you know, I'm not saying one's around the corner. I'm yeah. not a prophet. And <laughs> there's I there's nothing like doomsayer type uh, type right. recording here. Here we go. Exactly. 
but but just to, but I think for us right now, in a moment when we're not under that pressure, let's really think through our ecclesiology a little bit. What is the church? What does a gathering literally mean or biblically mean? Mm. How do we encourage one another? How do we love one another? I think the church needs to take a step back and evaluate. How did we do loving people? How did we do loving our enemy? How did we do submitting to authority? How did we do? Let's let's do a little bit of a, you know, I was in the military and we used to do a thing called a hot wash, they called it. And the hot wash, you, you, everybody took their outer shirt off. So because your rank is on your shirt, you take it off. Everybody goes in with their T-shirt on and they evaluate the mission. But there's mm. no rank in the room. So everybody can say whatever they want. I think we got to do a little bit of a hot wash. How did we do? Did we show the world the love of Jesus? Did we show that we belong to Jesus by our love for one another? How did that, we do there? That's so important, Steve. I am so glad that you raised that uh, because I'm not so certain that we've done that. You know, we I think we're at the point where we've kind of dusted off our shoes, our washed our hands, and said we're done with the pandemic. Now it's back to the status quo. Um, and so what you're saying is important for us to really sit back and do an assessment of, of how did we do during this pandemic? Yeah. I yeah. Would contend that we ended up, you know, disagree with me, please, but I just feel we are a whole lot more divided after, at this, again, after the pandemic. Uh, but rewinding where were we as far as as a nation uh prior to march well or january february 2020 and now i i feel we are much more uh separated i feel we are much more divided and so i would and uh uh we are at those hyper ends uh so the church ended up not becoming more loving uh it become it became more bifurcated and yeah. uh entrenched and that and that's specifically the american I or maybe I did even say, the western yeah. church yeah mm -hmm. and you did say that steve you have a global perspective you guys are working all over the world thinking about what you just said how do you how would you look at what you saw globally speaking in regards to how the church interacted with uh, the world as well as with the body of christ yeah, I would definitely say there was a lot more um, aggressiveness in the, excuse me, in the West, because we, in the West, we have a little bit more like our voice matters, you, you know, like it doesn't matter what the government says, my voice, my voice matters. And of course, that's part of the ethos of the United States that, you know, right. as citizens, we have a voice. So I'm not anti-American in that regard. But I would say in other countries of the world, it wasn't as hostile of an experience. It was just a shared experience. There was sorrow and there was grieving over death, but there was just a kind of a power down, a power down. And there were some countries that, well, there's one place that we work that they literally last week just lifted their COVID restrictions Whoa. just last week. So, but the people just, this is what it is, this is what we have to do to be safe. And so there was more of an acceptance of that, um, this is just what we have to do. And um, so I think there was not as much turning on our cell on, on each other because the, the bigger concern that I had is because we hadn't really thought through our ecclesiology and we hadn't thought through what it means to love each other. And so we kind of 
turned on each other in this season and it became, you know, um, uh, I, I think our, our views and our, maybe our political views entered connected too closely to the church mm -hmm. and, and we ended up really attacking, but, but cross-culturally in, in other contexts and, so, you know, hearing from our missionaries and stuff, it was not as hostile of an experience. And I do think it's, would try to be fair, right? As I'm hearing you, Steve, and, and thinking about that global perspective, I don't also want to give such a, a poor grade as if all of the churches in America or all of the churches in the West got a big failing grade. Usually the ones who fail loudest um, are, are the bigger ones who are closer to the microphone. And so that is the impression that it all went poorly um, because there were so many churches that doubled down on love and care for neighbor. And there, there were so many um, that really did have that outward focus and that love. And so again, I don't want to, the, the entire church of the West just got a big F uh, because some of the louder and bigger ones um, became more entrenched. That yeah. was not on the whole, but both were seen. Yeah. There's always a danger when you do aggregate numbers, right? There's always mm -hmm. a danger when you, summarize a a general experience because you're right the church that i attend did not have that kind of division and and we were shepherded well by the leaders and and uh and there was a lot of care and so there were a lot of really faithful people and you know wonderful believers that did love each other well um you know i think we saw probably every kind of response at least in you know um but but i think for for some, even if it wasn't a hostile or negative experience, there were still many struggles right. that that churches, and I think all the churches experienced at least a struggle. How are we moving forward? Apart from even the division within the church, what does it mean when we can't meet? And how do we maintain a, 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 a functioning body mm -hmm. in a world where you have to stay within your bubble? Mm -hmm. And... Uh, and so to really kind of think that through, we were we were forced to to think through our ecclesiology all of a sudden in one week, you know, just yeah. things just kind of stopped and, and we weren't we weren't ready for that. Mm. Okay, so so Steve Lesson Leston's uh, word of advice: think through your theology and ecclesiology uh, now, both looking back, how did we do? And looking forward, what is most important to us? What do we see in the Bible? Is that a is that a yeah. fair summary? Yeah. And if you're planting a church, start thinking through lockdowns. Mm. Are you ready for that? Mm. <laughs> you know, put that put that into your operating system. That's kind of a harrowing thought, right? Like, wait, what? I I'm just trying to tell people about Jesus and I'm trying to get this thing off the ground and you're telling me plan for your next pandemic. <laughs> yeah, at least think it through because that's the world we're living in. Again, you know, we're, and this kind of goes back to the initial conversation, which is let's not just think through running our play. Let's think through the world we're actually living in. This is actually the world we're living in. And, and, and our role is to function within that space. And, and it's not, I don't build a counter space in one sense that is immune from all of this, right? We're not building, 
little pulling little communes away and just kind of we are living in this space and so we should part of our thing of sharing christ is actually being ready for the next pandemic like to actually say hey we're going to have a gospel response to this and in the course of equipping our saints we're going to bring these these topics up here's what love will look like in this context in this context in this context yeah, it's uh, so good, good, Steve. I, I appreciate that. You know, it's funny. I was just sitting here thinking, uh, it really, th- this pandemic really did take us by surprise. But isn't it funny? It shouldn't have because we've, mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like it's the first pandemic the church has ever experienced. Exactly. Yeah. Well, good, good advice. Force number two. Yeah. Force number two global migration. Now, that one probably. Another obvious one, we were seeing migration occur all over the world. And uh, and and we've got to think about this topic more than just our opinion about migrants. Mm-hmm. You, you know, it's, it's bigger than just a political issue. Uh, let me toss one thing out. I've got a ton of statistics and stuff and different elements we can look at. But, but the first thing I, I want to bring up in, is... Um, a kind of a, a counterpoint that I like to just toss out to make people go, what? Which is um, global migration is actually one of the uh, qualifications of an elder. And you say, what does that mean? That one of the gifts, one of the qualifications of an elder is hospitality. Uh, hmm. And the word hospitality is lover of strangers, lover of migrants lover of foreigners it's not just man you people can show up to your home and you'll feed them a pizza it isn't just that it isn't that you're kind to the people in your church it's actually that you're kind to the foreigners that come the strangers that come it's literally lover of strangers hmm. and but we've kind of like domesticated that word and maybe brought it down to just you're friendly and and your wife can, you know, cook a meal when you come over and you feel at home. But actually, I think that qualification was pushing us because the church itself, you know, think about this is a physiology, right? Yes. One of the key to a physiology is the book of Ephesians and 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 in the church in Ephesus, Jew and Gentile being, you know, one body, right? And this is that thing that's going to show forth the power and wisdom of God to the angelic world that God can reveal this mystery that both Jews and Gentiles are full takers of the promises of God. And so he's making one body, one temple out of, out of the, all the nations of the world. Therefore it would stand firm that Paul would tell Timothy, the qualification of an elder is that you've got to be able to love the stranger. If you as an elder aren't capable of doing that, you're not qualified to be a shepherd in this church because you're only going to love your own kind. Mm. And so the idea is like saying, hey, as, as a church, let's stop and think this through for a minute. Because there's a political reality to migration, but there's also a reality that there are people from all over the world that are moving all over the world legally. I'm not even talking about illegal migration. I'm just saying legally. Right. And so if you think about that, um in the period between 2020 and mid 2021 so just not even a full year yeah 
253 million people migrated from their birth country to another country. That's according to the United Nations. Wow. Just in less, just roughly, let's say a year. <clears throat> 253 million people, that's legal migration. That's not illegal, first of all, but that's legal migration. So deep in our heart, are we acknowledging as leaders, as elders, here's a challenge to an elder, to say, wait a minute, part of our qualification is to love those people that have moved to our neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Have we thought through that? And uh, because that's part of the biblical mission and the qualification of the elder. So that's just one element of global migration we've got to think through. Yeah, that's good. I love that you brought that up. Uh, hospitality isn't just simply inviting your neighbor over, although it can include that. Yeah. But it's looking at the diversity that's in your neighborhood and loving all of those people. Yeah, and I think I think um, with the global migration and uh, Steve, stop me if I end up going too far uh, into a different one. But um, thinking through migration, just because people are moving from one country to the next, is a large number thinking through migration because a country becomes war-torn and people have to flee and they have to seek asylum because everything is going wrong in their country now increases that to a much greater exponential of migration. And um, so last year um, I, uh, my wife and I, um, as well as others from our church, we went to Athens, Greece, and we got mm -hmm. to sit and listen to people who had essentially been on the front lines when the global migration arrived in Greece's shores in numbers that no one could fathom. Yeah. And they were trying to build camps and help people and get them through to wherever they needed to go. And um, Greece being the southernmost portion of the EU, everybody wanted to get to Greece and everybody wanted to get through. And so we were listening to church leaders who were saying, we, we, <laughs> we, we were doing all we could to care just for our, our churches. And then the world showed up at our shores. Yeah. Right. And um, we worked with a church, um, Paritas, I think. Uh, I said it wrong every single time, so I'm certain I'm saying it wrong now, um, in Athens. And they had a focus on a homeless ministry there. And a lot of homeless people lived right next to the port. And so they would, their church would care for the homeless and feed them every week. And then the world came and mm -hmm. all of these refugees came to that same port. And so one single church, one single church who was caring for a few homeless people, all of a sudden had refugees upon refugees showing up at their door needing food and so a a church i think their church size was 50 to 60 people mm -hmm. 
were now feeding hundreds daily mm. and trying to get food in their faces and yeah. get them down to get showers. And they were caring for something far beyond their expectation or planning ever, 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 ever. But I was look, looking this up earlier uh, when you and Michael were talking kind of at the close of force number one uh, in basketball. Uh, there is kind of a type of offense that they will run called a read and react, right? You need to know your system and you need to know your players so well so that you can read what's coming and you can react. You you know how to run your stuff because you are ready. You can read and you can react. And that church uh, is, by the way, they're still doing this, are, are constantly trying to react to what God is sending them, to the refugees, refugees coming to their shore. And I watched what happened and I thought, I don't know how we would react uh, at my church and our churches in America if this same influx of people came. Would we be ready? I, I don't think we would. But global migration is something that is very real. It is very much happening and it is a constant. Well, you know, Andrew, in your guys' case, it has happened. I mean, yes. Houston's a big receiving city of refugees. Um, and, and, and you made the, the comment, um, which I think is spot on, that uh, we read and react what it is that God's doing, what he's sending our way. Mm-hmm. And, and that, I mean, that tells us that we need, to know, we need to know something about him, God, and we need to be willing to stop reading whatever we've been reading so that we can look to him and, and uh, respond to what it is that he's doing uh, Mm -hmm. through all of these things. I will say as a moment of like, again, because I I try not to um, like toot our own horn, right? Like I'm, I'm like, I actually work at a church, so I don't want to make it always seem like near town has it all figured out and we're doing great. Um, But we have done collaboration in our city now for years and years and I think as of the past year and a half, two years, I think we're f- starting to see some of that fruit of collaboration. And yeah. uh, many Afghanis settled into apartments that were right by um, our church. And our church is near another church and we're like, we office with them. And they said, hey, let's see what we what we could do to to bless these Afghanis. And uh, I will, I will fast forward this. The end up, the culmination was working with a local school, inviting all of the kids from the local school soccer team, and then inviting the kids from the Afghani community to come and play soccer with each other. And then inviting uh, the boys from that school to learn from the Afghanis, kind of some of their culture, what was going on in their world, an opportunity to bless and uh, break bread with the the parents of those families. And so a bunch of churches and an organization called Houston Welcomes Refugees and that local school, St. Thomas, like it was this huge collaborative effort of like, you're here and we want to bless you and we want to learn from you. And so I... I, I was so encouraged by it because it wasn't like any one person sat down and said, okay, I'm going to do this, but it is what God brought us. 
Mm-hmm. And it was one event, right? It's one event. And and I, I'm looking forward to seeing what God continues to do. But um, we have to be ready. We have to be ready for what God sends us. Well, we have to think just one kind of short final comment on that is when we talk about migration, sometimes it is a political topic, but mm-hmm. we for a moment can set that aside and recognize that from the very beginning, God was a God for the nations, right? Mm-hmm. From, from going from Abraham, mm-hmm. that through the seed, the nations are going to be blessed, to Paul in Ephesians 3, that the revelation that was revealed to him was that this gospel was for everyone, mm-hmm. that the promises of God are for everyone, and the and the building of a church of all nations is the thing that proclaims the power, the strength, the manifold strength, and manifold wisdom of God. Mm-hmm. So the migration issue isn't just like a like a pandemic, something we have to deal with. The global migration issue is the very essence of what we need to be thinking about. Mm-hmm. It's an opportunity, isn't it? It's the opportunity in the most simplest form for us to see God being worshipped among the heavenly mm-hmm. realms mm-hmm. because we actually recognize that God wants the nations to be reached. God wants the nations in his church. That that he is building a church of all the nations, so that in Revelation chapter five, verse nine, every tribe, every nation, every tongue is coming before the Lamb. Mm. All of them are. They're all coming. And and that he that he's taking from every tribe, nation, and tongue to make them a kingdom of priests, to 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 give them a place and a, a seat at the table, like all of these promises. So when we think about global migration, we just have to recognize. Why would God do this? God's going to do this because he is going to get his church. This is the essence of it. The qualification of an elder is to be a part of that, to show love towards that. So we've got to push our ecclesiology a little bit more to recognize that that this is the very heartbeat of the church. Mm-hmm. This is actually part of its DNA. It's, it's just not a, a, a side crisis. It's a very DNA issue. Right. And what you're talking about is so fascinating because the difference between force one and force two is one is an event. I mean, an an ongoing event, right? Right. The global pandemic at some point that will wane. But one is an event and one is the norm. One is the there are migrants. They are around you. How are you welcoming them? Period. Start starting place. And you have a theology for that. Not just a reaction to that. Yeah. Is this embedded in your That's understanding good. of your ecclesiology? I like that. That's good, mm. Steve. Well, with that uh, <laughs> barn burner of a question, we're gonna we're gonna just wrap this one up. Uh, we've only covered two of Steve's six observed forces, uh, which is gonna make the next podcast extremely exciting as we try to blaze through uh, and be and be wowed by what God has been doing in Steve, where we all are learners and get to kind of to take this stuff and, and reflect. Um, Steve, as we did last time, um, how would people get a hold of you if they wanted to connect with you, if any of the, these things have, have scratched uh, their mind and they want to reach out about it? They can just go to To Every Tribe on the contact page. There's a way to get a hold of me. Excellent. All right. Well, Steve, thank you very much. Michael, 
Thank you very much. Uh, my name is Andrew. We have been blessed to have you as a part of the Ephesiology Podcast. If you want to connect with us, uh, find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Hit us up there. And uh, we look forward to having you join us next time on the Ephesiology Podcast.